Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Down to two. Just the Pirates and the Rockies. The last two teams who have yet to sign a player to a guaranteed contract this offseason. Major League contract. Just those two. And guess which two teams just were in the bottom of baseball prospectuses, uh, Pakota projections for the 2021 season. I'll give you a hint. It's the two teams that haven't signed a Major League free agent yet this offseason. Good morning. Welcome to Daily Shot Pirates. My name is Alex Stumpf. I am filling in for Dayan Kovacevic this morning. Hope you're having a good morning. Hopefully the sound of my voice doesn't ruin it for you. Dayan has a better radio voice than I do. Hope this isn't too grating. The Pirates could still sign someone. The free agent period isn't over yet. It goes well into March anymore. They could still sign someone. They're looking at relief pitching. Never can have too many relievers. And I know I just wrote that piece on Mound Visit not that long ago about how, you know, you sign a guy with the intention to trade him later. Usually doesn't bring back a good prospect. Relievers tended to bring back at least something. And if, you know, you get someone who's on the fringe, give them a late-inning role, which the Pirates can afford to, you know, give someone that opportunity, then yeah, maybe it works out. They're also looking in the outfield, which they need. They have four outfielders on the roster. And non-roster invitees, Swaggerty isn't going to make the team opening day. Troy Stokes Jr., maybe. Maybe, but, you know, this is a guy who was just, he couldn't crack the team with Detroit last year. And then we got hurt. But he couldn't crack the team with Detroit last year, even though he was already on the roster. Not exactly an inspiring player. Someone that the Brewers gave up on. Man, the Brewers farm system is absolutely desolate anymore. It's just horrendous. There is no, there is nothing in that cupboard anymore. And then they're also looking for starting pitching. And this, I, I get. I get it. I get why every team looks for starting pitching because you can never have too much starting pitching. You just can't. And whenever you look at the Pirates roster, I think we could safely assume there isn't going to be another trade before the season gets started. Never say never, but we could safely assume that Stephen Brault and Chad Cole are going to be on this team opening day. So throw those two in Mitch Keller as your top three starters for this upcoming year. And you got something. On paper, yeah, it would make sense. Get a veteran in that mix. Kind of like how they did with Derek Holland last year. But looking back on it, Derek Holland was, was good for the clubhouse. But just strictly 
what he brought on the pitching rubber, he didn't really contribute at all for the Pirates of 2020. He was one of those guys that he signed and it looked pretty intentional that if he was going to pitch well, he was going to get traded. And he didn't pitch well. They didn't get an offer. No team was like, you know what? We can't even use him as a left-handed specialist. So there is this gap then of like, what do you do with the rotation? Because there are still some good starters out there. Taiwan Walker, James Paxton, Rick Porcello. Here are guys who, who are far from perfect. But if your starting rotation has Rick Porcello somewhere in it, that's not necessary. I think if he's your ace or your number two, but you know, for a lot of guys, he could slide into the back end and inning eater. James Paxton, Tyon Walker, you know, two guys with an injury history, but whenever they're good, whenever they're healthy, they pitch well. And you know what? You could throw even more guys in there. Cole Hamels, Rich Hill. I mean, there there are other guys who are still looking for work. Man, if you really want to go crazy, Jake Arietta. <laughs> I, I know he's had a bad couple of years, but he is a former Cy Young Award winner, and there is absolutely nothing to lose, nothing ventured, nothing lost in that regard. But is it really worth it? Especially since the Pirates have so many of these young starters and there are already so many starters on the roster. Or so many pitchers on the roster. I'll take it one step further. 24 guys. 16 position players. That is not good. That is a very unbalanced roster. And I get that's just how the season went. This this offseason went. You know, you have to just hoard whatever talent you can get into the system. But man, whenever there are actually going to be some cuts... In spring trading, there's going to be a lot of pitchers. It's going to be a lot of guys, a lot of waiver claims over the last year who are going to be pitching for their lives, even if they have an option remaining, just because Pirates are going to need those spots. So I have a hard time justifying giving up a spot to, you know, just Jake Arietta or or Rick Porcello or... If if it's Walker or Paxton or someone who I, is a legitimately really good pitcher, you know, buck that trend that I found in, in the Mount Visit and actually bring back a good pitcher if they're healthy or a good player if they're healthy, then yeah, do that. Get behind that. Get a veteran in the clubhouse. I mean, this is a team full of youngsters, especially this, this particular roster. It's going to be so many young players. Because what else is Quinn Priester going to do? You have to get him around as many coaches as you can this year. He'll go there, and then he'll go to the minor league camp. And then he'll go to a minor league season. That's just how it's going to be. But whenever games are actually going on, Pirates would be better served to give those starts to a JT Brubaker, to a Cody Pons, to a Miguel Yahure, who, you know, this guy is low-key, maybe the best pitcher that they picked up this offseason in the trades. I know people are really high on Yeen, and you know what? Yeen is, he's young, and he's but he's bulking up. He's got good stuff. He's definitely someone to watch. He's got to be, you know, 
going into 2021. He's going to be part of that, you know, next potential wave of starting pitching. He's someone to get excited about, but Yohure is basically major league ready. He is major league ready. He pitched last year in the majors for the Yankees. And yeah, I know it was only a couple starts and everything, but he was in the majors. Rose Contreras, someone who maybe at the end of the year could be ready. Cody Bolton, someone who towards the end of the year should be ready. There are plenty of guys on the, oh, I will crow. Another guy that they got in the trade this year with Josh Bell. They have major league ready pitching. They have spots. Is it really worth spending another roster spot? And more importantly, committing a couple dozen starts at least to a veteran who's not going to factor into the long-term plans of this organization. The Pirates weren't going to sign someone like Trevor Bauer ever, but if they were to go after some sort of starting pitching this offseason, maybe a Paxton, maybe who else was on the market? This is a weird offseason. It's a weird offseason whenever you only really have to keep up with who's getting traded, who's on the trade block, rather than who could potentially sign with the Pirates, because it's not in a very appealing position right now, because players aren't dumb. A lot of the veterans realize that if they sign with the Pirates, there is a very good chance that they will get traded at some point in the middle of the season. So who's going to want to sign with the Pirates? The guys who have to take the NRI deals, the guys who have to prove themselves. Maybe you get a new, another opportunity or, you know, you're a swing guy and you get a chance to be in the starting rotation. But if you don't have that opportunity, it's not really worth it. And you know what? That risk, it could bring in more prospects, but is that worth it at the cost of potentially, I, I don't want to say stunt a prospect's development, but there's something to be gained out of that in 2021 if Miguel Yohure is pitching in the major leagues. This is going to be a bad year of Pirates baseball, but the best thing that they could do is build foundations for the future. This is like the 2010 Pirates, that horrible, horrible 104-loss team. I believe it was 58-104 and 104 off the top of my head. That sounds right. But look what happened after that year. All those guys... All those young kids, they got a whole year in the majors. 2011, they took a step. 2012, they took another step. 2013, they're in the playoffs. This is kind of where the Pirates are right now, where they have some guys who, you know what, it's going to be a bad year, but you could establish a foundation. I would rather the rotation spots go to those guys, to the Cody Ponces, to the JT Brubakers. And yes, they will be injuries, there'll be reasons, double headers, spot starts, all these guys on the roster are going to get a start at some point. They're going to get starts at some point. But one more guy, I see the benefit for clubhouse leadership and maybe being able to, you know, take a couple youngsters under his wing. But if we're talking about developing this core of young pirates pitching, just give the kids the spot. Let the kids play. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back in a minute. And welcome back to 
Daily Shot of Pirates. My name is Alex Stone. I'm filling in for Dan Kabachevich this morning. This second segment is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. Mike's Beer Bar, located just across the ballpark on Federal Street, has over 500 beers to choose from, 50 local ones on tap. Go there, discover the beers that you like. Like, I, I, I liked beer beforehand. I'm learning. I learned about beer by going to Mike's and trying what they have. It's, it's really good stuff. And hey, if you get food there, a little secret between you and me, get the sweet potato fries, all right? Really good. Really good. Thank me later. Baseball America released its top 30, or how each organization ranks in terms of talent depth in their farm system. And the Pirates, after trading away Joe Musgrove, Josh Bell, Jamison Tyon, they rank pretty average at 13th. It's significantly better than last year, where they were ranked 23rd. 2018, 2019, 16th and 18th, it's a little more favorable Favorable before then. You know, 7th in 2017, 7th in 2015, the best in 2014. That seems like a million years ago. Remember whenever the Pirates went to the playoffs for the first time in 20 years, came a McCutcheon swing away from going to the NLCS in their consolation prize was, well, you have the best farm system in baseball. Remember those days? Man. Man. It was that. Dayon hit it last hit it yesterday with the bridge year talk, so I, I won't double down there. But, man, that feels like a long time ago. Even longer than just 2014. But 13th out of 30. Keith Law also released his, and they ranked 16th out of 30. But he did note this farm system's on the rise. I don't know how on the rise it could be, considering he had them ranked higher than that last year. But it's a good sentiment. Because this is a farm system on the rise. Not just because they traded away three veterans and got... What was the final count? 11 prospects? 11 prospects out of that deal? Some of them are going to be in the majors this year. Some of them a couple years from now. A lot of them will flame out. They aren't going to go 11 for 11. That's not how it works with prospects. But they got some high some high upside guys like Hudson Head. Like Yahure, who I just went off on in the last segment. Just kept going on and on about him. Here's what Baseball America writes. This is the skinny on the Pirates farm system. And I quote, Unlike the previous regime, Pittsburgh targeted high risk but higher upside in the offseason trades. Many of those prospects will likely wash out, but it has helped Pittsburgh replenish its farm system with players with the potential to be quality everyday regulars. And I think that's about the perfect way to sum that up. Because a lot of these guys will wash out. You can't expect every Omar Cruz fringe lefty to make the majors. Or if he does make the majors, be a real contributor in the majors. But there's a lot to like about the guys that they brought in. And the change in direction. This is an organization that 
for years targeted kind of let's even look past the trades because I we could go on forever with the Garrett Cole trade. And even in to a lesser extent the McCutcheon trade, which looking back on it, yes, that's that was a really good trade. But the two players they got back, Kyle Crick and and Brian Reynolds, Crick was a reliever who the Giants abandoned as a starting pitcher whenever the Pirates acquired him. And Reynolds Reynolds was a good prospect, but he wasn't supposed to be as good a player as he was his rookie season. Or even really as good a player as if you take those two years as an average, he probably wasn't even supposed to be even that good. So they got an overprojection there. There was a lot of targeting the high floor guys where this regime is going after the high ceiling guys. And it'll, if it does hit, there are a couple guys who they acquired who it could hit. Lovier Piguero, this guy, MLB Pipeline, put him on their list of 10 guys who just missed the top 100 list. So whenever the season goes on and a couple guys graduate from that list, including Cabrian Hayes, you'll see Piguero on that top 100 list. Fangraphs hasn't released theirs. You'll see Piguero on that top 100 list. You'll probably see Piguero in Baseball America's top 100 unless something horrible happens and he just stinks. Getting to know the guy a little bit this offseason, getting to hear what some people think about him, though. This guy really does look like the shortstop of the future for this organization. I'm getting off topic. I wanted to talk about drafting. Because the Pirates are going to have the top overall pick. And you can't sit in because there's the whole season to be played. But it really does look like Kamar Rocker. I don't think there's really much of objection there for him. Neil Huntington's last draft pick was Quinn Priester, a high school pitcher who those are the most volatile gambles you could get. And you know what? It looks like it's going to be a hit. A, a last gift for Ben Charrington before he inherits the job. Just, you know, one legitimate stud pitching prospect who's already top 100. Jim Callis wrote how he's talking to scouts who wouldn't be surprised if he's the top pitching prospect in baseball by the end of this year. That would be a humongous leap. I don't count on that, but this guy does look like he could be at the front of a major league rotation. Besides that, though, Travis Swaggerty was the last pick before that. Swaggerty was a guy with a lower ceiling, but a higher floor. Will Craig in 2016, lower ceiling, higher floor. Kevin Newman, lower ceiling, higher floor. Basically, unless they were targeting high school pitchers, they either went with those low or high floor guys with their first round picks or guys they knew they could sign under slot like the Cole Tuckers. The only other real exception of that is the other gift that Huntington left Charrington before he took over. And that's Cabrian Hayes. Who, yeah, that, that, that turned out to be a pretty good pickup. You know, that he, but he was a boomer bust prospect, a high school kid that you had to go over slot to sign. There's a lot of risk there. They 
worked out. And that's what kind of baffles me, reflecting on the Charrington years. That for years, whenever they did go after the high ceiling, it tended to work out. Sometimes you didn't sign the guys, the Nicodolos, and you can look back on that. That was a mistake of it. Gunnar Hogland, maybe that was a mistake too. But whatever they did target and sign or trade for those higher ceiling guys, it usually worked out. It was the lower ceiling guys that just never really panned out as well. The, the, low, the high floor guys played pretty close to that floor. And if you have to even go back to Neil Huntington's predecessor for that with Dave Litterfield, you know, trading for the major league ready prospects because they just have absolutely no idea how to trade or how to raise these prospects. And how'd that work out? Well, 20 consecutive years of losing. It wasn't all on David Letterman. David Letterman. Wow. Wow. What am I doing? Referencing someone who actually knows how to do a talk show or podcast right now. <laughs> David Littlefield. Not to be confused. With, yeah, I, I'm really going off topic here. High, high up there, top three, top three, late night hosts of all time. That'll that'll encourage some some discussion. Craig Ferguson, Conan O'Brien. I, I listen, leave your top threes in the comment section for the article here. We're just gonna get weird with this one. And if you have a question for a segment, I didn't want to do just one question. That's day honest thing. Those were his questions. So I didn't feel comfortable there. Give, give him something for whenever he does come back. Targeting the higher ceilings is the only way this organization is going to be able to pull itself up for where it is right now. And that's what they've been doing so far. And they, Ben Sherrington said, you always have to assume risk. The Pirates are always going to have to assume some risk. They are not going to be the Dodgers, and they could give Trevor Bauer $40 million. That is a no-risk contract for them. The money is the only risk involved, and money is monopoly money to them. Pirates are going to have to take some risk, whether that's injury, whether that's performance in the past. The one that they have not shied away from is age. And there's going to be a whole lot of pressure on John Baker to make sure that this farm system John Baker, all the coaches, and the players themselves to make sure this farm system is charting. Because in a couple years, even a year from now, once you add Rocker into the mix, that'll be the top 10 prospect to replace Hayes, who graduates off the list. Add Pergero. Priester goes up a couple. Maybe Gonzalez goes up some. Maybe Hudson Head starts flirting with a top 100 spot. This is a farm system on the rise. And it's on the rise for the right reasons, not just because they just traded away a lot of major league players and they got a lot of prospects in return. No, it's the type of prospects they are getting. It's the way they're doing it. Thank you for tuning in this morning. Be sure to subscribe to DK Sports Radio and Daily Shot of Pirates to catch up, to get this every morning, way in the morning, Monday through Friday. And hey, if you love the sound of my voice for some reason, I got a couple podcasts on here too, Tuesday afternoon and Saturday morning. One podcast to be named later just for the Pirates, Saturday for the prospects, who are going to be the focus of this organization for the next couple of years. 
I'm Alex Stumpf. Thank you for listening.